Hello, friends. Before we get started, I wanted to make you aware that we are offering something we've never offered before. On Monday, December 5th, we are offering a customer appreciation one-day sale on our online class program. The classes that are on sale are two different series. The first one is Brave Writer 101 and 102, our foundational classes for parents of kids between the ages of 9 and 14. You and your child or children will be enrolled together, and you are going to learn how to write without tears, trauma, or tantrums. If you sign up for those together on the same day in the same shopping cart, you will automatically get 12% off the final registration fee. You'll also get 12% off if you sign up for Essay Writing 101 and 102 at the same time. So either of those series, Brave Writer 101, 102, or Essay Writing 101, 102, when you sign up for both classes at once, 12% off, you can learn more by clicking on the link in the show notes. This sale is one day only, December 5th, 2022, which is a Monday. Find out all the details in the show notes. Today's guest on the podcast is none other than Kirsten Merriman, the director of our online class program. Kirsten is responsible for hiring and training our 35 writing coaches to ensure that any student that registers with our program gets the same quality instruction, no matter who is teaching. In other words, there's no need for star reviews or rate my professor in Brave Writer. Kirsten and her team ensure that when you come to our programs, you get the highest quality experience available. So today on this show, she and I are talking all things online writing classes. Did you know, for instance, that Brave Writer was the first online writing class instruction in the homeschool space? My very first online class that I taught happened via email in 1999. I know, that seems like an impossibly long time ago. Brave Writer has been pioneers and innovators in the writing space for over two decades, long before all these other online class programs. We've taught more than 10,000 students since then. In fact, our registration days can feel a bit like trying to get tickets for a Taylor Swift concert. There have been years where we're like, holy cow, classes are filling up in seconds. That said, we've learned a lot of lessons since then, and we do a much better job of managing that traffic flow to our website than it appears Ticketmaster does. If you prepare now and you're ready to click and register on Monday, December 5th, you should have no problem getting into the class of your choice before it fills up. I invite you to listen in to get your questions answered now. Class registration for 2023 is just around the corner on Monday, December 5th. There are links in the show notes so you'll know exactly where to go to get all the information you need. And I invite you to share this episode with a friend who has questions. Let's get every child writing, tear-free, trauma-free, without tantrums, so that they experience themselves as writers, 
not as students getting graded, but as people who have something worth saying and preserving for readers. Are you ready? All right, let's get started. And I welcome to the podcast today, Kirsten Merriman. Hey, Kirsten. Hey, Julie Bogart. (laughs) I love having all my team on the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm excited slash nervous slash excited to talk to you about classes today. So hopefully I uh, do your company justice in this conversation. Oh, for heaven's sakes, of course you will. In fact, um, we were just starting saying that uh, we hope it's funny, not just interesting. So, you know, we can take a little survey at the end and see if we were actually uh, able to achieve that goal. There you go. Success is how well we cracked ourselves up during this conversation. Yeah, that's my yardstick. It's a goal. All right. So what we want to talk about today, for those of you who are new to this podcast or you're interested in Brave Writer, or maybe you've even taken a class, we want to talk about the online class program and what makes our program unique. Kirsten Merriman is the director of that whole online class world. She does an amazing job. And I just thought it would be fun to hear her reflections instead of just my monologuing all the time. Plus, she's day by day inside the classroom witnessing the transformations of students and parents. So who better than to talk to you, Kirsten? So here's what I want to start with, because I think this is really the crux of the matter. A parent is not going to spend money on an online class unless they feel like it's going to help them in some way. And what I've noticed, and I bet you've noticed too, is that writing seems to be hard for a lot of parents to teach. What do you think makes coaching a child in writing so challenging for parents in particular? Yes, it really is, isn't it? I think it is that there's just so much mixed up in it all. You know, you've got the physical, can my child physically handwrite the emotional component that comes with putting your thoughts on the page feels so vulnerable and difficult, the psychological, the relationship, you know, I'm doing something for my parent and how I feel about it. And just the critical thinking aspect, it just becomes a lot to try to navigate all at once. Right. So how do you approach that? You know, and, and we're coming in as parents often with our own baggage of how it was done for us, how we were taught, how we feel about ourselves as writers, which often is not great. And we feel ill-equipped sometimes to take that on. So I think it's, it's, it's all of that, right. That comes in together. So how Brave Writer tries to approach it is by breaking things down. And I think that does appeal to families who come to us because they do realize that this is one topic that's not just discrete point by point teachable. It really requires a different approach. So true. I feel like one of the challenges that parents face is they don't want to be the bad guy. Mm. Why do you think being the person who gives revision or editing feedback puts you in the black hat category, the person who is the villain in the story, right? Oh, you're such a writer in the way you ask that question. I love it. So the (laughs) villain in the story has the red pen in their hand, right? Like we all know, you know, it's not the magic wand. It's the red pen. That is your device of torture. Um, And there's something about that that conjures up a feeling uh, on the kid's part. It'll conjure up expectations on your part of needing to get it right. And all of a sudden the situation just got super fraught, 
right? Mm. And so how do I kind of bring this down, bring this down to an energy level that we can both manage, that we aren't getting upset? Because I can get upset as your instructor. You can get upset as the kid being asked to do this task. And so revision and editing just seems to be the the height of that moment of tension. And, And so we really need to think about ways that we can approach that differently. And I think, you know, you did a fabulous job, for example, in our Brave Writer 102 class, writing a class that just addresses that. Like, how can we turn this all completely on its head? And when it comes to writing and relationships, we just have to turn everything upside down and just take a completely different look, especially when we've got a really reluctant, struggling writer in our hands. Yeah. So often what we forget is that we're asking kids to be perfect when they're in the process of learning a skill. So it would be like expecting a child the first time that you showed them a dive on the high dive to do it without any flaws and to score them. And then they're accountable now to that score. And the only thing that you do is tell them, well, what they're not doing, pointing their toes at this entry point. But right now they can't even feel the entry point. They're just learning. And so one of the things I've noticed um, that's been so valuable to our families is the feeling that it's okay to practice. It's okay to make progress a little distance, but not go the whole distance. I remember Mm -hmm. in the very, very first writing class I taught online in 2000, January 2000, uh, I told one mom, that her child who had done a free write, we had done a little bit of revision and then the child didn't want to do any more. I told the mom that the class was over for them. (laughs) (laughs) We we didn't get to editing. We did no spelling revision, nothing. And she was like, yeah, she's like, wait, how can that be the end? And I said, because writing progress happens through a series of writing projects, not all in one project. And that was a very inexpensive class. It was $25. So it wasn't wasn't a big loss. But at the time, what I was starting to discover and just what I think you've continued so beautifully is to understand the bandwidth of the student and how to set them up for those incremental pieces of success. Do you have any uh, memories that come to you from the time when you taught or watching our current spate of teachers? Yes. You know, when you were mentioning that thing about um, somebody being out at free writing, it reminded me um, of a particular parent I had who was very gung-ho in our kids write intermediate, our kids write basic class, which is Brave Writer 101 these days. It's gone through some iterations, but uh, that class is about going through the writing process, right? So we start off super fun in there. I mean, you got to give it to us, right? I mean, we're getting in there with the game. It's it's about, you know, helping engage uh, parents with their kids over the writing process in a fun way. Uh, but this kid was having none of it, just none of it. Like, I know I'm not playing the game. I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm not writing that. I'm not doing that either, you know? And all of a sudden, just a total shutdown. Like she was getting absolutely nothing. Um, what do you do? in this situation, right? I mean, this is not uncommon, uh, but you need a way forward. So I said, okay, that's it. You guys aren't doing assignments anymore. You know, now you're just going out to Starbucks and grabbing a drink and just read the class. Just try to read some writing, find something funny, you know, find something crazy that a kid did with their chicken in their coop and just have a laugh about it, right? Really just try to notice the writing and just, you know, 
subversively, by the way, you're going to see the way I'm commenting on that writing, right? That I am bringing my positive, you know, reader response to really engage with these um, writing pieces and no expectations or critiques involved in it. Um, that child, wouldn't you know, they decided to submit a free write in week three. They gave us one and the cheering could be heard across the land. You know, we were just so excited about that. What a step of courage for the kid to come in and take that risk. And also just kudos to the parent for sticking with it, you know, and just kind of saying, okay, I'll back off as much as you want me to. Um, I'm just going to try to be here in the way that you need me to be here. And so we were able to do it, got a free write down on paper. I gave all my best uh, feedback and we were able to move forward. Those kind of stories in that class again and again, you know, we just get them all the time. I love that that's the story you chose to tell. I remember with our book clubs and our movie clubs that occasionally I recommend those to really reluctant writers. And what I've told many parents is they don't even have to respond. Take that class to the coffee shop, read it together and critique what you're reading because something my daughter... By the way, there's learning happening in all of that, uh, right? A thousand percent. (laughs) Like you're warming up to... Like part of the problem with writing is that the person being assigned writing thinks in their head, I always call it, they're trying to mind read the assignment giver. You might remember this from high school or college. Your professor or your teacher gives you an assignment and you think, I wonder what he or she wants me to put on the page. I'm going to try and guess what insights are valuable to the professor and then I'm going to mix those in. So your child has some version of that with you. They're like, oh, she wants me to write about the fall is she the kind who thinks fall is wonderful or annoying, right? Like that's the first feeling. And so a lot of times when we start with reading other people's writing, what we're doing is we're seeding the imagination, right? We're allowing them to see the variety of possibilities that exist, not just what the parent was thinking, not just what the instructor was thinking, but look at all these different outcomes from the same prompt or the same question, And that opens the door for them to imagine their way into participation, which I just love that you brought that up because I think a parent could do that right now. Right. Absolutely. And it made me think of my other favorite thing that has happened in our classes, which is for teens kind of on the other side of it. The most revolutionary transformative moments is in our reading the essay class, because this is a time where they're actually reading professional essays for the first time. And no lie, their minds are blown by the fact that they are enjoyable, short, you know, digestible reads. And they had no idea that essays were supposed to be this. There's some kind of message that's been communicated to them, either because they were in school or they just heard it through the grapevine, that essays are supposed to be these chore-filled things to be dreaded with your entire core of your being. And they just we get a lot of wow at the end of that, right? Like, okay. So this is what, this is now a different kind of a seeding of the imagination. All of a sudden I see myself as an essay writer and I'm aspiring to, gosh, I want to be an essay writer like that. You know, what a great way to go into high school with an attitude that's a little shifted in that direction, right? No, I absolutely love that. And in fact, that makes me think then about the value of how we've structured our program particularly with parents in mind. A lot of times what I've noticed over the years of working with our families 
is that parents actually want that relationship with their kids. They want to be able to support them, but they believe they're at this impasse. And so they farm the child out to a co-op or an online class, or they even put their kids in school. But here's the problem. All those places give assignments that have (laughs) to be done at home and they land back in the lap of the parent to coach and guide. What do we do that's different? I know I'm teeing it up for you, Kirsten, but why <laughs> is Brave Rider different than that approach? Well, you know, it it comes out of the foundation of how we see the writing process. And this comes out of a lot of your work and the things that you've written about. So we're not going to surprise any of our listeners with the information that we recognize that there are stages of development in writing and that it doesn't serve a child to meet them anywhere, but at the stage of development of where they are in writing. And so we make our classes fit that model and teach parents how to step alongside and be the partner at any particular stage. Um, Even if it's an older teen who really needs to be back in say the jotted down stage where you are transcribing all their their writing. So we're really about removing barriers. That's the kind of the thing Mm. that just sets us apart in a lot of ways. We're not about setting a bar really high that we want to make sure all the 14-year-olds are meeting, but rather about meeting the writer, right? And centering around the child. So that's primarily where we go in terms of what we ask them to do. I think our classes are effective because we do break things down into small chunks. You know, we're just kind of about separating out skills, right? So we're really focused on the quality of your ideas right here in this assignment. And I really just want to hear from you. So you're not going to hear me correct your spelling when I'm in here making commentary about this because I'm focusing on helping you develop these ideas into something that you want to show readers, you know? So let's just zoom in on that, make it a short assignment that's not going to take you four hours to complete, give you a chance to post that. And then our special, special sauce, as I always like to call it, is just that deep feedback you get from professional writers who are our instructors who've been there. They know process. They know what makes good writing. And they're going to give you the kind of feedback as the reader that you need to be able to grow writing in a way that doesn't feel painful. That's the experience. It also helps that our classes are, you know, asynchronous. So we teach it in writing. All of our writing classes happen in writing. You log in when you're ready have the energy for it. You're fully snacked up. You know, you're ready to go. You kind of meet the class at the time that works best for you. And they're short term. So our classes last from three to six weeks. You're never really giving a big commitment beyond a short, quick, deep dive, which just seems to work best for the writing process in general. So all of that together is really what sets our program apart. And in some cases, we enroll the parent with the student Absolutely. And so the coaches are actually answering your questions and helping you witness what it looks like to give that feedback that doesn't alienate the writer, that actually supports the writer. So you've got like this dual level. It's almost like the writing coach has two students. They have your child and they have you. And so in our foundational classes and particularly the ones for children and in our family classes, the parent is enrolled. You're not just reading along. You're actually participating. You're typing. You're responding. Yeah. It sounded a little scary the way you said that. So I just want to be like, because I get that. Like a parent's like, what do you mean? I'm enrolled. Like, no, thank you. I I pass on that opportunity that you're giving me 
to come be part of the class. But it actually, if you can get over that hump of an idea, which I realize is a hump of an idea, it will um, benefit you in so many ways, not just in your relationship with your child, which is the big one, right? It's going to give you some way to kind of get past some of this angst that you two are feeling over the writing. Um, But actually, it really gives you a lot of bang for your buck because you're learning a process in writing. It's never one and done. As you said earlier, it's just like you do it again, you do it again, you do it again. And so you learn this process firsthand that you can take outside of class and just do for the next two, three months without having to enroll in another class. I, I, I talk us out of enrollments all the time with this information, but it's important for you to know that we're equipping you to do something that you weren't going to be equipped to do if you weren't a parent enrolled in that class. Right. And that's kind of my point. Like if you put your kid in a class and you're not at all aware of how they run their writing ideas, and then that child asks you for help, you may continue to do the unhelpful things that that child can't make use of. But in our classes, what we're trying to do is show you how to be helpful. That is like the core, how to be that coach that doesn't alienate and truly offers the kind of help and support the child values, not what they need, but what they actually value. They come out of it thinking, oh, I'm really glad I got that information from my mom. I'm really glad my dad took his time to discuss this with me. It's that kind of feeling. And so once you've experienced that and established that with your child, then when they are in that co-op class and they get that assignment, they can come to you and you know how to support the completion of that work. You'll be amazed. There are actually tools and practices that we do in our classes that work for professional writers who are being paid for their writing. It's not just a school tool. These are actually the practices of authors, people who want their writing to be published and paid for. (laughs) And and even as an adult, if you are participating in here as a parent, writing alongside your own writing actually is going to go through a thing, you know, because we're here saying, free write at the same time your child is free writing, right? You know, go go through that revision process on a piece of your own writing, see how that feels. So we're kind of inviting you along in the process so often that you actually are getting over some of the trauma that may exist in you as a writer, that stuff that's kind of holding you back from expressing your own true self on the page. We do get a lot of people writing to us going, will you offer classes for adults? (laughs) Like, well, you know, our class program is focused on kids. This is, this is kind of our mission and what we're all about. But by the way, you're going to get so much as an adult writer out of this writing alongside your kid on this journey that uh, you're going to be amazed. You're going to be amazed at the stuff that's going to happen, even for you. It's never too late. No, in fact, one of our classes is a family class. And I want to talk about those for a moment. Family classes come out of my own um, financial need back when I was raising five kids. Hmm. I got tired of having to pay for five classes for everything or five sports or five everything. So I thought, well, I want to be a program that has at least one thing where you pay one price and then however many kids you have, they get in. So we created these family classes that are sort of um, deep dives into an aspect of living or language arts that allow you to also do writing. So we have one for nature and one called Groovy Grammar. And the one I wanted to talk about was our two family classes for poetry, Mm -hmm. because one of the most fascinating aspects of that class is how many of the adults end up writing poems. In fact, we've had full families where both parents 
end up participating because it's a family class. And so now you've got children and parents doing concrete poetry, doing, um, you know, a haiku. They're literally participating together almost the way they would if you were playing a board game as a family. And it becomes this source of joy. It doesn't actually feel like schoolwork, right? Because poetry is at its essence about play, like unlike almost any other kind of writing there is, you know, what a poem looks like, what form it takes is really up to you. And I think the joy that poets get out of making poetry is about trying to find the word, right? That's going to be the one that they want to use here that maybe does or purposely doesn't rhyme with this word. For some uh, reason in all of that, these are classes actually appeal to reluctant writers like mad. Yes. Kids who struggle with writing, love writing poems. And I think, you know, it's probably initially the allure of short, right? It's short and then I'm done kind of a thing. But uh, your creativity just gets to go on full display so easily when you connect to the poetry mind. So uh, that, yes, it's like everybody in deep dive. And by the way, you know, the kids are probably going to get a kick out of this because they haven't spent a lot of time writing poetry. It's not hard. It's quite fun. And there are a lot of different ways that you can do it. So, yeah, those classes are popular for all those reasons. Happiest of holidays to everyone who celebrates anything in December. If you aren't yet a member of our membership community called Brave Learner Home, I invite you to join us. We're over 13,000 members strong. We have incredible conversations and resources designed just for you to have full success in your homeschooling life. Last month, I did a webinar on the myth of rigor and requirements, and that is up for replay now and perfect as a way for you to anticipate January when you re-up that homeschooling commitment. This month, I'm doing another webinar in December to talk about how to create your own annual solstice tradition. This is a tradition that I created during a dark period in my personal life, and it birthed a living tradition that continues today with my adult kids. This solstice tradition is not specifically religious in any way, but it capitalizes on the magic and habits of your homeschool. So if that's something of interest to you, I invite you to join Brave Learner Home. To learn more, go to bravewriter.com slash special dash offer. It's in the show notes, and I look forward to seeing you inside. Kirsten, we have some new history classes that Yeah, we've been wanting to expand into history. That's my background. My degree uh, from UCLA was in history. And and I literally took that degree so I could write. Like, I, I didn't want to write about books. I wanted to write about what I thought we could call reality. Of course, if you've studied history, <laughs> that's a problematic phrase. But I mostly was looking for a way to use writing to write about things that felt meaningful and important and you know, covered what human beings have been up to for all time. And Mm. so here we are now all these years into this writing program, and we're actually offering these meaty, meaningful ways to evaluate original texts, to talk about historical events. Can you talk about the History Lab? First of all, love that title. But what is that class? Because I think it's so cool. Yeah, so... 
Agreed. It's exciting to offer a class like this. Um, it's History Lab is is a, a model of class that exists at the college level. So um, my daughter had taken something in this vein that got me really interested in this whole idea of historical thinking and how historians think about the past, how they look at documents, how they make these executive decisions about the story that they're going to tell, because all of history is actually story told through fact-based interpretations, right? That historians are putting forward. So you need to understand that. That's even in your basic textbook, the case, right? So we're peeling back kind of the layers about how that works. You know, how do historians make these choices? And then inviting our kids to actually go through that experience and do some of that themselves. So they are making some choices about looking at a source, deciding how reliable it is, deciding what to do with conflicting bits of accounts and information uh, that you would encounter when in looking at anything, you know, from a movement to a very small um, transaction yeah. that happened yeah. in the past. I mean, there just always is, are multiple interpretations to find in all of that. And so the, how do we make sense of that? And how do we tell that story? Well, the historian is part of that story. And so we put kids in that position to see that and do that as a foundational practice before they get into any, you know, paper writing and um, deep research on their own to kind of have these skills in place first. We want them to be historians. So that's, that's the approach. It's a great class. It's, it was uh, the most fun amount of discussing and just wow moments and aha moments the first time we taught it just this fall. So uh, it's it's a it's one you definitely want to, you know, if you're looking for something for different for history, look for us in the winter spring because we're going to be offering that one again. We have a new class that's going to be a follow up to it that's going to be on a topic. So we've got one coming on. Um, we're going to be looking at rebellions as our general topic. So once you do history lab, then you have an opportunity to do a content-based class where kids get to pick their topic, pick their research that they want to do and run through a project. So we're in the works on that class right now. Amazing. Amazing. I, I, I can't even express how thrilled I am that that exists at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I designed what we call our advanced composition class years ago to look at texts, original texts, and to do textual criticism because it's done in college all the time and they don't approach it in sort of the manner that I learned it at a high school level. At the high school level, you don't have that same kind of level of interpretation. Um, if any of you are reading Raising Critical Thinkers, you'll see very much how important that is to me in the third section of the book, this idea of textual interpretation. And so to think that we are at a point now where we're looking at history in a bigger picture, not just text, and then trying to understand how to approach it as a historian in writing. Slam dunk, Kirsten. Love it. I know. And just think of all the, you know, new classes that will spin out of all of your thinking in raising critical thinkers. Like, what do you imagine, you know, in your mind will be other offerings that would come out of that book for you? I know you get to dream big about that. I think for me, I just love this notion that teenagers can actually play with ideas the same way they played with dress-up clothes when they were kids. Like as an overarching way of approaching the teenage years, I like parents to get a little less worried about the conclusions their kids are drawing and more curious about what it feels like to try on the idea. Mm -hmm. And if we could take that approach in writing, thinking, reading, and discussing our teens would not feel the need to be so attached to any one idea. 
they're attaching in part out of self-protection. Like, hey, I'm exploring this. Don't stop me. And the second we say, hey, stop, that's a bad idea. Then they decide it's their full identity, right? right. Double down. <laughs> that's right. I will protect animals with all my might. When really they're just exploring for the first time that what they thought they knew about animals turns out to be more complicated than what they understood at age nine or 10. And so I think when we're looking to the future of Brave Rider, we just want to keep creating these opportunities. I know uh, right now, Kirsten, you're in the process of looking again at how we teach the essay. When I first taught the essay to our students, I was still following kind of the traditional path, but using the innovative tools that Brave Rider has. But once I started teaching at the university level, I became fully aware of how much professors hate the traditional model. And what they're looking for is what I think we deliver in Brave Writer, which is writing voice. Can you talk a little bit about how we're rethinking the essay? Absolutely. But a lot of it's working too. So I always want to start with that because, you know, when you're in a timed essay situation and you've got to crank out an essay, it's for an exam or something where you have a limited amount of time to talk, that five paragraph essay structure is a useful tool. So it's a tool that ended up getting applied in a larger arena to where all of a sudden all of the essays became versions of the five paragraph essay with that format and structure and the limitations of thesis first, you know, points in particulars and all of it. So is there another way to see it? And that actually has led us on the team to get a little wider in thinking about the student's decision-making in all of it. Because when you give them a format and kind of this set procedure to go through in their thinking, it ends up being limiting. So is there some way that we can transfer back some agency onto kids to do more of that decision-making? Because we're finding in our research and our experience with our own college kids, right, that when they get to the college level, they're being expected to make a lot of decisions that they aren't necessarily prepared to do from their high school training. So they're coming in, you know, with a very general prompt, you know, like the prompt is life essay due on Friday, you know, what are you supposed to, what? Like, where's my rubric? You know, what am I, what am I supposed to do now? Like, you know, can you leave me step-by-step? I'm going to need more handholding than that. So how do we help our kids become able to make those kind of writing decisions I think it does all drive back into the essay and how we present the information in a way that enables them to make those big decisions as they go along while still providing them the support that they need to be able to play with structure and learn the ins and outs of how essays work. Yeah, actually, the way I've always seen the five paragraph essay, it's sort of the architecture of academic writing. It helps you understand that when you make an assertion then it needs to be followed by points that back it up. And those points need to be established by data or research or experiences or logic or anecdote, you know, all those particulars that support the point and the assertion. So the five paragraph essay is almost like training wheels on a bike. It teaches Mm -hmm. you how to balance without the risk of falling off or crashing or rambling, right? But Mm -hmm. once that structure starts to feel natural and automatic, then we really do have that freedom to explore in terms of thinking. I think Brave Writer is strong in urging that writing voice and agency. And it's why we start with writing voice 
and we add structure later. So, you know, when a mom says to me, I have a third grader and I was told by my charter school, he needs to write a five paragraph essay. Mm. I'm like, no, (laughs) please don't do that to your third grader. Your third grader is just starting to get comfortable wielding a pen, Mm -hmm. putting punctuation and spelling in place while having an original thought. So let's stir up as much of that thought life as possible. Let's get them comfortable with self-expression and also with just the courage to say what they're really thinking, not what they think someone wants them to say. So that when we do get to the high school level, we read a whole bunch of essays, we get familiar with essays and what they can be. Then we add the structure and the child is bringing their voice to a structure. They're not bringing the structure to club the voice, right? Would you say that's a fair way to put it? Yes. And I would add on to it that once you kind of expose them to the feeling that comes from being able to communicate your voice strongly as a young child, and you really foster that and you spend years really making room for that, that child's going to guard that you know, they're going to fight for that. Like they want that feeling to continue. They want their thoughts to be able to be present on the page. And so they're able to go to bat for their own voice a little bit more than if you start too early with a structure and kind of make it all about the structure, right? So it does take a long time for them to embody that and just to own it and say, my voice matters. I'm going to put it in the world. And, you know, luckily for homeschoolers, you know, they're pretty strong with this in general. I have an opinion and I want to share it and you're going to hear it. (laughs) Okay. You're ready. You know, Uh, love that. Right. I love that about us. So um, I'm so happy that we foster that, but it does require some re-education a little bit because it does go contrary to a school model, for example, how they will be doing it. But as you've said, you know, concisely and brilliantly so many times, you can teach an essay form on the back of a napkin. It's really quick to pick up. There really is no reason to spend years right? Exploring how to do that format. Um, But boy, there's a big reason to spend years helping your kid get in tune with the fact that they have something to say that's worth saying and give them the vehicle to be able to express. Thousand percent. Actually, one of the things that was going through my mind while you were describing that journey is that a lot of times parents, and I meet them at conferences all the time, they lack confidence in their own writing skills And they've been trained in that style of writing instruction for 12, 16, 18 years. And then they turn around and use it with their own kids, even though they themselves still doubt their writing abilities. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I tried to do back when I started Brave Writer is I was trying to bring a professional writer's sensibility to the writing experience because that one's playful. It's interesting. It creates a sense of relationship between what you put on the page and what lives inside you. And if we take that journey together, both the parent gets rehabilitated and the child avoids winding up like the parent, which is a product of a system that often leaves adults lacking in confidence in their own writing. And if you ever just need examples of that, I mean, there's so many authors out there writing about the writing process, what they do, what they've gone through. I mean, there, you know, we have the evidence to support this actually is what writing is, right? And writing right. is a sense of play. It is a sense of, you know, just get the mess on the page first. It doesn't have to look pretty first. You know, there's just so much about it that actually is 
all talked about, you know, by every author who's writing about this process. So get yourself some Stephen King or some Anne Lamott, take a, take a look, right? You're going to see that this way is the way that writers actually write, um, and it will give you a model to follow. The, the um, actress and writer from the Netflix show or Amazon Prime show Fleabag, uh, Dawn just shared her story from Instagram the other day. And she said, we never start with structure. And then she, <laughs> excuse my terrible accent. And then she goes on to say that they have a big whiteboard and they write the names of characters and they figure out their personalities and their inclinations and motivations. And then they write a whole bunch of situations that they think would be hilarious or interesting. And she says, the last thing they do is turn it into a story. The first thing they do is just create this big mess of characters, characterization, and possible funny moments. And I thought, you know, and, and she said it so emphatically, we never start with structure. And Dawn sent that to me. She's like, this is Brave Rider. <laughs> I think she even called it material, which I thought was a really great yes. word for it. Because it's almost yes. like the raw elements of earth, right? That you're using to like build this edifice. You know, you need to look at the, you need the material. You got to yeah. have the material. Yeah. Like, I mean, the material up there first, and then we'll see what we're going to do with it. Yeah. For so, me, it's, it's always been like quilting, right? You're like digging through your drawer of all the different fabric scraps. And then you start imagining the relationship between the scraps and then the shapes they could take. And then pretty soon you have a quilt. Um, when I look back on my papers that I wrote in college before the computer for all you millennials, we had to like type on a typewriter. And what I remember is I would handwrite my papers first. Then I would go through and decide what needed to be added or subtracted. And when I added, I had extra sheets of paper. So I would have like my raw writing and then there'd be a star with a letter A. And then on a new page, there'd be a star with a letter A and I'd write a little bit about that. And then I'd go further and there'd be like um, a circle and a letter B. Now, the reason I'm telling you all that is because I'm not very orderly in my mind like ABC. So sometimes it's asterisks, sometimes it's stars. Sometimes I can't remember why it's on the page. But I was constantly acting like I had chunks of writing or what Rita Savasco from Rooted in Language calls um, bits and pieces of writing. And then I was stitching them together to create the final product. And so when I would go to type, there would be pages just taped together <laughs> that went like on the dinner table, you know, for 10 feet. And even today with a computer, when I write a book, I still print out chapters. I get out my scissors and tape. And by the end, there is this long thing laying on the floor and it stays there for a week while I'm making sure I like the new arrangement because I have to see it physically. And the bits and pieces, right? And All the bits and pieces. And be able to move those bits and pieces around without right. them being locked the way that they can be on a printed page. Yeah, that, you know, we have an activity like that in Brave Writer 102. So it's a it's about taking an original story and just physically cutting it apart, right? And seeing what else you can make of it. And maybe it's going to be a completely nonsensical story, but hilarious and fun. Let's do that. Uh, and being okay with that process of really cutting your work apart and rearranging it and doing all the fun play that, that revision really is supposed to be about. Yeah, I think sometimes revision means perfecting in the minds of the parent and the child. Mm -hmm. And nobody likes to be told this wasn't perfect enough. But if we can start to give kids permission to play with revision, and when I say play, what I mean is changing the original, but not 
caring about the outcome. So I'll give you an example. Uh, when I have spoken to teens and we've done this activity, the first thing I have them do is do a free write. And then we turn that free write into a lie. And they can decide, like you said, decision-making is all part of this. How much of a lie do we want to tell? If I say I ate breakfast cereal in the morning at the hotel with my family, do I just change the cereal? Do I change the time of day? Do I change the meal? Do I change my family? Do I change the location? Pretty soon, the lie could be actually I'm on the moon, you know, <laughs> eating moon food. <laughs> I mean, it can go as far or as little as you want. But as a child starts to realize that revision is changing the original, not perfecting it for edits, they start to understand that revision is powerful. It feels like a superpower, like you're God in the universe of your writing. And that's a great experience. That's not a scary, negative feeling. And gets at the root of the number one thing that's the hardest for families. We hear that all the time. The revision process is that one place where things really start to fall down for them. They experience the most tension, the most fighting. So yeah, why not start from there and just say, okay, we're just going to change it. You know, you don't like it. We still have the original over here on the computer. Yes. That's going to be fine too, right? Let's just mix it up see what we can make out of it. And that sense of play is a big missing ingredient in the revision process as it's traditionally taught. So I love that. I love seeing that in our classes. What's the name of the class that teaches revision? That's Brave Writer 102, Learning to Revise. And we have a Brave Writer 201, which is the next level up. It's academic revision. And, and that class um, puts the parent even more in the driver's seat of learning how to coach their children through uh, an academic nonfiction piece of writing, right? And so this is a more traditional um, thought about what revision is, which is kind of taking that paper and making it into something that you're ready to turn into an instructor or what have you. Um, so that one is not necessarily about turning your story into a lie, but more about taking your writing and learning what makes writing stronger and enhancing it in that way. And we take parents right through that process. So they come out of that supercharged and ready to go with their kids. Yeah. And I would say, so Brave Rider 101, 102, and 201. These are, and, and eventually there will be a 202. But right now, the 101 and 102 are especially good for kids, parents with kids between the ages of like nine and 14, wouldn't you say? That's right. And 201, what would the age range for that one be? That one we put um, 11 and up. So that's what that I was going to say. For, yeah, 11 and older. So they've got a little more experience and practice with the writing process traditionally by the time they get to this point. Um, and they're ready to kind of look a, a little more closely at writing craft and kind of really what does make this writing sing and how can I talk about it with my child? So we look at some mentor texts, you know, to look at an excerpt from Braiding Sweetgrass to look at that and see what that writer does well. And how can I take that knowledge now and apply that to a piece of my students' writing and kind of talk to them about how they could make this writing uh, excel a little bit more and just accomplish more of what they want to do, which is always to make a more powerful, compelling piece of writing for an audience. Exactly. Not to get an A, no. by the way. <laughs> I always say there are a lot of A's that have been given for really boring writing, writing nobody cares about. We want writing that people care to read. That is our whole goal. Kirsten, this has been amazing. Is there anything else that you want us to know before we wrap things up? 
Well, we are going to be registering for winter spring. So depending on when this episode comes out, you always want to be ready for that. It's going to be happening on December 5th, which is uh, Monday at noon Eastern time. Uh, We have a whole slate of classes that we'll be offering that are already up on our website. So you can go to bravewriter.com and click on the online classes link on our homepage and find them. But uh, we are here to help you decide where you want to plug in, what you want to do. And so you can always write to us and, you know, give us a sample of writing, talk to us about your kids. We're always ready to one-on-one really help you find the best spot for them. So just uh, check us out if you haven't, write to us with questions and let's get a conversation going about how you can turn this writing thing around. A hundred percent. In fact, uh, you can use the text messaging that we have, and um, that will be in the show notes. And you just text the word pod to our phone number, and then you can just follow up with, hey, I've got a 10-year-old. Here are their characteristics. What would be the best class for me? Or you, if you prefer email, go to help at bravewriter.com. And that is another way to reach out to us. Kirsten, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for everything you do. How many teachers do we have now, by the way? We're up to about 35 instructors working for us. And they are the most fabulous people on the planet. So I'm very lucky to have a job where we hire smart, interesting people to work here. So um, imagine being surrounded by that every day in your work week. I think I'm a pretty lucky gal. Yeah. And they live all over the globe. They're not all Americans by any means anymore. And we've got husband and wife teams. We've Mm -hmm. got um, world travelers and working in Taiwan and yeah, Yeah. they're they're everywhere. Yeah. And And we've got young, we've got young ones who are twenties and thirties and we've got seasoned mm -hmm. writers like every level, right? Yes. And they are all um, phenomenal writers in their own right. So yes. it, it's a real privilege that they share their talents with us, but they love your kids. So it it gets, it, they get a lot in return, uh, but they, they love teaching for us. They will talk for us for years and, you know, we'll come back and teach for us even after going away for a season. So we're, we've got a great longevity in our staff because this is a mission that you can get behind. Yeah. So there's, it's the rare person who doesn't realize that this way of teaching writing has tremendous value and we just need to get that out in the hands of as many families as we can. Yeah. That I'm always amazed. I like look at our Slack channel and someone's like, I just published a book. Oh, has, uh, I have another book out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> teaching for us, writing books, teaching at college level. We have PhD candidates and doctorates mm-hmm. like it, because what we do what we hear back a lot, especially from people who are in that academic space is we're doing what they wish they could do mm-hmm. in college or in high school. Peter Elbow, you know, my mentor of all time, he often told me that what he loves about Brave Writer is we get to do what he could never do in school because we don't have grades. We yes. will offer them in high school if you want them, but they're not a constitutive part of how we teach. So because we don't do that, we can truly explore writing without pressure. And that doesn't exist in any school system. No. So it's this what is the teachers a rare, ache for. It really it is. is. Right. So this is a rare setting for that opportunity. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up with that. Kirsten, thank you so much for everything you do. And I hope that we have a slew of new students for you and the teachers to get to know. Woo! Me too. Let's do this. Thank you, Julie. I really appreciated the time. 
Thanks for tuning in. I hope we've addressed many of your questions. I'm sure you have more. If you do, feel free to text us. There is a link in the show notes where you can sign up for our text messaging service, or you can write to us, help at bravewriter.com. Simply put the name of the class in the subject line or just online classes and include your question. We'll do our best to answer them before Monday so you're ready to register when we open registration. Class registration for the winter-spring 2023 semester opens at noon Eastern on Monday, December 5th. We have a special running, a one-day-only special. You can read more about that at bravewriter.com slash online-classes. Also, in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in today. Can't wait to see you in one of our classes this coming spring. This is the part of the podcast where I ask you to leave a review. You can leave stars or words, whatever your choice is. If you've already left a review, thank you so much. You never know, Natalie might read yours one of these weeks. The truth is I love podcasting and I couldn't do it without you. I'd love your ideas for the next topics you'd like me to discuss on the show. To let us know, reach out to us via our SMS or texting number. That number is 1-833-947-3684. I know that's a mouthful. Don't worry. It's in the show notes. Simply text the word POD to be added to the podcast group. And then just text us any ideas you have for future shows. We're already building a beautiful Excel spreadsheet with all your ideas. Hi, listeners. Natalie again from the Brave Writer team. Got another five-star review for you. And today's comes from Mom of SCF. The more I listen to Brave Writer, the more I want to listen. Even topics I don't think will apply to me. Julie has such a positive, enthusiastic, and caring manner. She has helped our homeschool become a more positive, fun experience. I can't say enough about what an encouragement her words have been for me as a homeschool mom. Thank you, Brave Writer team. Today's episode was produced by Nova Media with support from team members Jeanette Hall and Natalie Miele. I'm Julie Bogart, author of The Brave Learner and Raising Critical Thinkers. I'm also the founder of BraveWriter.com, an innovative approach to writing instruction. You've been listening to The Brave Writer Podcast. Until next time, keep going. Think well. I'm rooting for you.